Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now it's time to talk. This is Election Night in Late Night with Jarrett Hill. Here is your host, Jarrett Hill. Now, some of the commentators were saying we're starting all the conversations with if you had told me two weeks ago in the conversation, uh, top line thoughts, Karen. Well, it is a big night, and he has been resurrected. But again, I think that it's a lot thanks to Jim Clyburn. I mean, that's without Jim Clyburn kicking him in the little rear end there and saying, you know, you need to get real. I, I think that. I think that everything goes back to a series of events that happened last week. Jim Clyburn was like the, um, I, I feel like it, it, it uh, culminated in that. But I think that there were things that kind of led up to that that made it where the moderate wing of the party, which is the majority mm-hmm. of the party, um, realized that we needed to really get our stuff together. And the interview with Anderson Cooper with Bernie Sanders, where he could not explain how he was going to pay for things and where he made it clear that everybody's taxes were going to be going up and where he praised Fidel Castro. Yeah, That, that is where game. it comes down to. That happened. He doubles down on it in the debate. And I think everyone at that point, and but Joe Biden had a good debate. I think everybody at that point realized like, oh, crap. We have to get everything together right now or this is going to go very south. I agree. I think, uh, you know, something I've said before is that I think, you know, the moderate coalescing around Biden doesn't mean that there's a big old conspiracy that some people think it means. It means that moderate and progressive people look at Bernie Sanders and they go, this is a liability. But I, what th- something I have not said, which I've been thinking about this evening, is all of the last-minute endorsements that happened over the last 36 hours dominated the news cycle. And I think a lot of people who were not sure they were going to vote in this primary had that in their faces. It broke through the noise to a lot of people who may not have come out to vote. I mean, there's a lot of anecdotal reporting in lines, um, people who are still in line saying, I'm still not sure who I'm going to vote for, and I'm trying mm-hmm. to figure out how much longer I'm going to be in this line because that's how much longer I have to decide. Yeah. I think that because it was so present that it got more people out to the polls and because the news that made it present was in Joe's favor he's getting the bump it's interesting because you guys you guys are both uh two of the three of you were talking about uh endorsements and i'm 
I'm always really mixed on how I feel about like the value of endorsements. And I, I, I joked on the air earlier today. I was like, "Oh, you don't know how relieved I was to finally know how Beto O'Rourke was going to go." You know, like <laughs> you know, like I, I mean, nobody was like waiting for that endorsement. But, However, it might it might have an impact in Texas. But there's a lot of people who think that Texas is about to become Biden's. It's looked like it's been Bernie's all night, but that lead has been shrinking. Right and now, there are some sources on Twitter who are saying, "Oh no, are, this is going to go Biden." They are only separated by. About oh like, Biden just overtook yeah him in the, the Texas numbers I'll, I'll pull yes up. but going so, to your point about Be- endorsements Beto mattered yeah and like going to your point about endorsements um, let's remember that this is happening at a at the time that the coronavirus is happening how do you think that impacts uh, because we cannot trust our government mm. because. Trump said, oh, this coronavirus thing is just all a hoax. And, you know, it it started, wait a second, people are actually dying from this. Mm -hmm. And it's not the Democrats' fault. Uh, So there started to be this sort of, you know, uh, clash of reality, Mm -hmm. you know, of... Uh, we cannot trust our government, and this is the time we need to trust our government the most. Therefore, when you have a trusted voice like Jim Mm -hmm. Clyburn, that's why so many people waited to hear who his endorsement was. For South Carolina, yeah. Yeah. Before they voted, but I, do you but do you think Jim Clyburn's endorsement had, had far further reaching? Uh, had a further I use words for a living. I promise you. Do you do you think you've that been talking j- all day? All we really day need to give you a break. Long, yes. Uh, <laughs> you just don't even understand. Uh, do you think that Jim Clyburn's endorsement? Re- reached further than South Carolina, though. Yes, because it was at the same time as the uh, the march on the uh, you know at Edmonds, yeah, in Selma, which yeah, Bernie did not go to. Well, the only presidential candidate who did not go. There, there's just there is just this sense, and I keep harping on this point about decency. But people are rising up in the name of idealism, in the name of decency, in the name of what Pete Buttigieg was talking about in terms of of the courage of morality. Uh, Just to say that's what, you know, this whole thing about the no vote against uh, uh, against Donald Trump and fearing Donald Trump. It's but you can have that fear. But what do you replace it with? Mm. You want somebody who you can trust, who you can you know, have faith in, and this is what you want to replace it with. So, yes, I think it went way beyond him. Okay. Uh, and, again, remember, we're talking about white supremacy. We're talking about, you know, the rise of, of the return of the Confederacy, um, you know, versus what? <laughs> versus what? Versus what? Can I say about the coronavirus thing too? I think when you look at the can the leading candidates now, one of them has executive experience that people recognize and they remember and they lived through. One of them has only ever been a legislator. He's never I mean he's he was a mayor decades ago in a relatively small town compared to the st- size of this country. We remember and many people who are voting today grew up with Joe Biden being in an executive position. Mm. So during so when Ebola. You, during Ebola especially. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we so if we're looking for someone that we can trust through a crisis. Steady hand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah I was thinking to myself that um, I, I, I keep wondering if if Joe Biden is connecting with people in a way because of the nostalgia 
or if it's because they really believe in him as a president, or if it's just like something that feels comfortable, like an old blanket. Like, what is it All about Joe Biden? Decency. Yeah. It's that decency factor, I think. You know, you, I have it's the whole comfort thing is an interesting analogy. You know, at the, what the number one television show was for the season after 9 11? Hmm. It was Friends in their eighth season. Hmm. They had a comeback in the ratings in their eighth season because people wanted comfort shows. Interesting. And I think that maybe after a crisis like the coronavirus that also made the market fall dramatically yeah. the biggest fall it's ever had. And today too. And today well, again, I think people are like, okay, let's let's get that steady hand back in. And that's yeah. the only thing that Trump cared about. Mm. Not the people. He cared about what was happening in the stock. Look at my market. economy. I, I think if we're gonna go let's go to food then. So Joe Biden to me is like grits and bacon and scrambled eggs. Ooh. Maybe Trump is like that thing where you tried that <laughs> spicy pepper for the first time and that was an experience you've now had that you can say thirty years now I ate like one of those ghost peppers or whatever. And then I feel like that leaves Bernie to be like like a kale smoothie. Like you know it's supposed to maybe be good for you, they say, and you're not sure. But it's not like it tastes good. It's not a pleasurable experience. I want to go back to my mashed potatoes wow. and my grits and my thick-cut you know, maple smoked bacon. Ryan, I don't think I've ever had a guest speak more to me specifically, speak to my heart than you just did with can that we, analogy. Can we go to Mel's diner after that? I, oh my God. I like, mean, really? I've had a breakfast burrito all day. So now I'm like thinking about all of this food. I mean, there's um, also, I mean, like, does that make like I uh, Pete, I love Pete, don't get me wrong, but is he like plain white bread? I mean, like, I mean, he's, isn't he's like, he, but he's is, like that multigrain white wheat, you know? It's like oh, mildly better. I don't know. Yikes. <laughs> well, we were talking about deep. We were talking about Texas because Texas has yet to have been called. They have 59% of their precincts reporting. And right now, it's a it's about a 1.5% difference between Biden and Sanders. Bloomberg coming in third, uh, you know, well well off in third place. Bloomberg is the interesting wild card tonight. Um, this is the first time we've seen him on a ballot. The first time that people have gone out and seemingly voted for him. How do you guys think Mike Bloomberg uh, shakes out tonight? I think that he is trying to reconfigure his campaign uh, because the debates didn't work, no matter how much he praised himself. Mm -hmm. Uh, The half a billion dollars in campaign ads bought him America Samoa. But, you know, he may get a delegate here or there. But during the uh, Florida rally that he had this afternoon, uh, and he said it starts here because, you know, he reconfigured the whole thing to be about an electoral strategy. Um, I don't see him getting out of it unless people come and knock on his door and mm-hmm. say, dude, wake mm. up. Yeah. But he has a long track record of, like, not listening to anyone. Well, says, I know, though. but this is an embarrassment. It is. Well, I think, for, pro tip for those of you who haven't been watching politics like you don't have a life like me, uh, <laughs> if somebody is in a race and they have their election night speech at 4 p.m. Pacific time mm-hmm. on a true national, I mean, yes. then that's a real bad sign, girl. That's real very true, actually, yeah. Um, Bloomberg uh, came out and, and was, to me, I was like, oh, wow, he's he's out here early. Like, yeah. the sun is up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, you know, it was interesting. I mean, Liz went out really early, too, and we've seen how that goes. Yes, but the but, difference is, Bloomberg was like, this night's going to matter for me. Liz never was. No, that is a very good point. I will also say that what Bloomberg looks like 
this night is he looks like a real ass, honestly, because for the last two days, people from his own campaign were asking him to drop out because he was only going to negatively affect Joe Biden. And while Joe Biden's having a really good night, can you imagine how much of a route this would be if Michael Bloomberg hadn't been there? Well, now mm. imagine what all those black mayors are doing. Mm. You know, and the ones that supported the, Bloomberg. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And the the members of Congress. I mean, they're sticking by him, but I think it's because of that. You know, that managerial sense that, you know, I came in after Rudy, mm. after nine eleven, and after I, stop and frisk, and I mm. fixed things. And how they decided to forgive him mm. for stop and frisk. I mean, it must have been a real heart-to-heart talk he had with them. I feel like there's a dy- that's part of the dynamic tension that will have him peel off from staying in the race, though, is those black mayors and some other key constituencies that are supporting him right now pulling him off of it. Well, and to see hmm. how their uh, you know how their constituencies start saying, "What are you doing, sticking with Bloomberg?" We voted for Joe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we got to go ahead and take a quick break here. Um, but when we come back, there's so much to talk about. Um, we've have 14 states and one American territory, as we said. Uh, we started out with 29 candidates. It seems like we're really only talking about four at this point. Mm. Um, I want to talk to you guys about the Veep stakes and what we think might be coming up. And uh, an interesting headline that I saw today about Donald Trump's vice presidential pick and who it might actually be coming up um, uh, ahead in the conventions later on this fall, um, this summer, I should say. And um, why is Tulsi Gabbard still in the race? All of those things coming up. Mm. Don't go anywhere. (laughs) Election night and late night's coming up next. Election night and late night with Jarrett Hill. Knew she was ready. You guys, Karen was having so much fun with Ed Sheeran and Camila Cabello. That was south of the border, right here on the new channel Q. Welcome back to Election Night and Late Night uh, with Jared Hill. That's me. I'm Jared Hill. I am joined by my esteemed panel of thoroughly entertained guests, uh, Karen Oakham, the news editor from the Los Angeles Blade. You loved that. I closed my eyes. It reminded me of being back in college when I just put on the headset and let it, you know, just listen to every note, every. Yeah. Harmony. Mm. You know. I, I was, this wasn't Creedus Clearwater Revival. It was. Yeah. I, oh, no, I, oh. And I love Crosby, Stills, and Nash or that harmony. Uh-huh. Or I, want to, I want to pitch a period piece around Hollywood about your college years. Like, oh. that'd be a really great oh. Hulu series. Oh, Lord, do I have stories. <laughs> we are also joined. She was a barn burner. We are also joined by Rance Collins from Bros for America and also uh, Ryan Basham from the Stonewall Democrats. And um, it's been a very interesting night as we're continuing to watch um, returns come in. Uh, California, Sanders is leading. However, it's not been called for him. He's leading Bloomberg by 10 points, and then Biden is in third place. Texas, Biden... Some sources have called California, I yeah, should say. We're, I mean, have. I'm yeah. looking at the CNN uh, yeah, feed yeah. right now. Uh, California is, right now, uh, Sanders is leading. Um, there's been a, a conversation around the, the Veep stakes, right? Who are we going to see as vice presidential candidates? And before we talk about the Democrats... I brought this up on our live uh, stage show downstairs. <laughs> I saw this headline this morning that really validated a question that I'd asked maybe four or five months ago. Um, I got on Twitter and I saw that Karen Pence had started a Twitter account. And it said that it was for the sake of campaigning for the 2020 election. And uh, for any of the Drop the Subject fans that uh, might be listening, that you might remember that I was saying, that's weird. 
And it made me really question whether or not Mike Pence was going to be the nominee, uh, the, the vice presidential candidate. And so this story came out today that Paul Begala, who is a, a known CNN um, political contributor and, and Democrat, he was saying that he is certain that Nikki Haley will become the, the vice presidential uh, candidate at the convention and that it's going to be a last minute kind of a switcheroo. And he's like, this isn't a guess. This is this is certain. I want to know what you guys think about that. First of all, what were you doing looking at Karen Pence's anything? Well, no, it, I was like, I think it was a headline that or something. And I was like, I don't even know how I found it, to be honest with you. I don't remember. But I was like, what is this? Yeah, remember, she's called mother by her husband. So it's like the, the handmaid's tale in real life. The whole no, that whole marriage makes me cringe. I well, don't even want to talk about that, it too much. I think Nikki Haley thinks that that's happening, too, because remember when she was the big heroine for taking down the Confederate flag and everybody, mm-hmm. oh, my God, the face of the New South, and she's a woman of color and Indian descent, and da, 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 da. And then she went to the U.N., and everybody thought, oh, my God, finally somebody in this administration who's got brains. And she, you know, she acquitted herself. She then started having... I think, these VP thoughts and started tending more and more to kiss ass to Donald Trump. And therefore, you know, it helps him to at least put it out there. I, you know, dangle it like mm. he does. Trial so balloon. The yeah. thing that makes me believe it is that we're hearing about it, right? Because like this is this is what you do. You put it out there, see how it fares, go yeah. out there. Because Paul Begala is actually very specific in this. He says, "Quote: This is not a prediction; it's a certainty." On Thursday, July sixteenth, that's the date the Democrats give um, his or her acceptance address. On that day, to interrupt the narrative, Donald Trump will call a press conference at Mar-a-Lago. He's going to dump Mike Pence and put Nikki Haley on the ticket to try to get those suburban moms. That's a very specific... I, well, this oh. makes it very, very important that we put ourselves a woman in the VP slot, 100%. too. And I think that that's something that might determine whether or not he does the same thing. Well, because... Because the reason that a woman went on the ticket in 2008 for the Republicans is because there was a woman who was a very, very close second place, and they were trying to get those voters by putting a woman on their own ticket. Well, if a woman gets put on the Veep ticket for the Democrats, are they going to then put a Veep? Is Nikki Haley going to go at that point, or are they just looking to see if the Democrats try to do a two-man situation again? I think, well, I mean, I, I there has been for a long time a horse race about who gets to inherit the Trump Republican Party, and Mike Pence has tried desperately to be that person, to be the natural heir apparent, and I think he's failed at that. But, you know, I didn't interpret Nikki's behavior at the time the same way you did. I think she was just trying to make herself not a negative to the current incarnation of the Republican Party so that when it's post-Trump, she can bring some of those people along. Okay. I'm not sure she has I, – I would think that she, that she has better judgment than to be that closely tied to him because – in four or eight years, Trump's not going to be the kingmaker in the Republican Party that he is right now, I don't think. And I think she was thinking, I thought, assumed, that she was thinking, four or eight years from now, I want to be the Republican presidential nominee, and I don't want these people to hate me then for how I treat Trump now. But I do see your point, and in fact, if that's the case, I've got to imagine that behind the scenes, there's so much jockeying, there's so much political fray that we're not seeing. Well, but and if- imagine what Mike Pence is doing, Absolutely. reading yeah. the same thing, Absolutely. because Absolutely. You know, I mean, he is the submissive wife. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, he about is. This. Absolutely. Yeah. He just, oh, fawns and just, you know, the whole thing. 
But he came up as, you know, and he, he got picked when he was just about to lose Everything. The, the governorship of Indiana and then probably go back to his radio life, which is mm. what he was before. But, you know, as this Christian whatever. A radio personality. Yeah, but, <laughs> Jesus, the lowest of the lowest. Well, but, uh, but imagine if he starts conniving. I mean, Rush Limbaugh is on his way out. The, you know, right-wing mm. radio talk show hosts do quite well, actually. Well, yeah. I, the thing that's interesting to me about this with Mike Pence is, one, we've seen that Donald Trump has no commitment to loyalty going out. Right, only mm-hmm. loyalty coming in, hundred yeah. percent. Um, but also, like, side note, I always say, like, I just imagine Mike Pence at like the Folsom Street Fair in like a leather harness and like face down, exactly, with like a mask on. Like, I totally think he's that kind of a gay man. But that's a different conversation for a different day. Seriously, I cannot. Um, I will. Not <laughs> I just, I just, I really. Few submissive want... wives have their own beard. I listen. <laughs> I just, I really imagine Mike Pence is like. I, I really want that outing. Like, I yeah. just, I don't. But, yeah, but he's still kind of. Of an icon to the conservative right, and I well, still, that's what's I know interesting this thing about him. I, yes. I, I don't think, and I realize that I might be on an island about this right now, but I really don't think that. I think that Trump has almost tested the conservative right as much as he can, and they're only still with him because of judges. And I think at some point they're going to go. Even we can't top, can't abide this immoral man and if you pair him with someone who isn't a scion of the conservative right but a brown woman who's of two religions I don't well I mean I don't know yeah, that she really is but that's kind of the perception I don't I think that makes it harder well but Ryan I think the, that is a huge thing I think the thing that's interesting to me about this concept though is I don't think that it's just about the judge I think it's definitely about judges and the, the court and all that kind of stuff but I also think that it's because Donald Trump has maintained such high approval within the party. Mm-hmm. I think if his approval had started to dip into the 60s or the 50s, people would have started to waffle on him. But like, it's always been above 85 in the 90s, you know? And I think that tends to make people vote no on impeachment and really, mm. really go after anyone who has something to say against yeah. him and, you know, waffle or, or shy away from running against them in the primary. And so I think it's the combination of those things, like him, you know, him having this this hold on the party. It's it's going to be cult. an interesting thing, thing to watch. It's a yeah. cult thing. And he has such a grip on people. And from a biblical evangelical perspective, I mean, they think they've given him a name from the, the Bible, this guy who was just as immoral. Mm-hmm. But sort of was in advance. It's almost like he's in advance of the com- second coming or something. So they always do that, though. Whoever ends up getting the nomination. Like well, I, but I th- but you know, I, look, I grew up in the Bible Belt, and I just I just remember no whoever became Girl, the Republican same. nominee, right? Whoever <laughs> became the Republican nominee was God's design to become president, and it didn't matter who it was. Yeah. Whoever it became was God's uh, you know infallible will to be president. And any time, I don't know how they ever explained a Republican losing the presidential race? That, I always think but, the same thing. Yeah. But the Republicans were always the divine. I grew up in in small town Texas, mm. um, which is uh, small town Texas. A lot of people don't think of Texas as being the South because it's its own little thing. But I, I will say that there, a southern town, you there is nothing dissimilar between other southern towns and growing up in a town with 9,000 people in Texas as I did and they always thought of George Bush who had a ranch 40 minutes from where I lived um, as the second coming of well, but without saying it's the second I coming 
the oh, precursor. I just hope that Mayor Pete's desire to pull some of those religious people away and take that away from the Republican Party becomes a thing. So I hope that's a part of his legacy going forward. We got to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about someone who's not had a good night tonight, Elizabeth Warren, Girl. and then also, mm-hmm. I said we got to ask the question of like. Girl, Tulsi Gabbard, what you doing, girl? Uh, we're going to take a quick break when we come back. More Election Night in Late Night with Jared Hill. Election Night in Late Night with Jared Hill. Welcome back to Election Night in Late Night. I am Jared Hill, and I'm joined by a panel of fantastic folks who were downstairs with me here at the uh, brand new sound space. And uh, we had a fantastic uh, hour-long conversation with a super panel of seven folks. You can find that on the WeAreChannelQ.com Twitter page. We streamed it live. Uh, it's a really beautiful production. I walked in, and I was like, wow, look mm, at us. Yes, queen. <laughs> um, I am joined by Ryan Basham, the VP of Communications for the Stonewall Democrats. Welcome. Thanks. Uh, we have Rance <laughs> Collins, the founder of Bros for America. Oh, hi. And uh, the news editor for the Los Angeles Blade, Karen Oakham. Hey there. All right. I want to talk about something that I've just not been able to understand. I feel like Elizabeth Warren has a lot of popularity. People really seem to like her. But it does not seem to be translating to votes. Mm-hmm. Why do you guys think that is? Mm, somebody at Vox just released an art. I can't remember who it was, but it's like it was talking about, yes, all the things you're experiencing about your love for Warren and your friends, too. It's all real. Plus, also, you are not most Democrats. Mm. And, I, and I was like, oh, that hurts my heart mm-hmm. because that might be right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that she... Well, I, I think that it's also interesting. I think it's interesting to look at this from a perspective of how women did in this primary, mm. because, I mean, arguably, you could say the two most competent people in the race were women. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. let's not discount A.B. Klobuchar. Um, she was a very qualified woman for what she was running for. And people were expecting Kamala Harris for a long time before that, Kamala that, Harris, that run. Yeah. Kamala Harris, you would think, would be lightning in a bottle. It seems like that's a thing. But somehow, it's it's almost like the even the Democratic base, the Democratic voters, only trust a woman after she's put in a ton of years of work showing that she's loyal, showing that she can do these things. It's almost as if when everybody says the bar is so much higher for a woman, they're not lying. And that applies to even... Democratic voters voting, but don't you think people? Sorry, I just don't you think people were afraid about women, women this time because of what happened to the woman last time? Yeah, there mm-hmm. possibly that, that's part of it. But the other part, I think there was a key moment, uh, which is when she was asked, you know, here is the woman who comes out and made so many, uh, you know, friends, saying I have a plan for that. Mm-hmm. You know, that was her staple, and you know, and you could trust her, and she'd teach you about it, and then somebody said. Okay, well, you know, Medicare for all. How are you going to pay for that? Well, Karen, I want to. I Wait a second. I want to hang with you right here. No, no, no. I'm not arguing. Question. I'm not arguing that. I think you're absolutely right about that. Well, I, I read Hillary Clinton's book, What Happened, and um, do the audiobook. Hearing her curse uh, is completely worth it. Uh, um, audiobook of What Happened is appointment audiobookness. Oh no, that was fantastic. <laughs> um, she quotes uh, George W. Bush at the Trump inauguration. That was some crazy. And I was like, that was completely Poop. worth it. Exactly. Poop exactly. Is what she says, I believe. Um, but one of the things she said in the book uh, when she was questioning whether or not she, you know, should have done this or that, it was she questioned if she had too much data on the on the plans, right? She said every single policy place that we we took, we went through extensive, you know, research to figure out exactly what it would cost and how we would pay for it. And she said, 
Donald Trump came out and said, uh, I'm going to build a wall and Mexico's going to pay for it without any kind of background. And so I wondered if Elizabeth Warren, I like, I love the fact that she's got a plan for everything, but yeah. I wonder about that same Hillary Clinton critique of herself, if that is helping or hurting her. Well, Liz and, Liz and Hillary were both really wonky. That's a yeah. that's yeah, something that's to look at. Thing. Also, let's just do a very quick insert here. Hulu is releasing the four-part Hillary docuseries Can't on Friday of this wait. week, and that is how I'm getting through March. Uh, <laughs> you know what, though? I, I think um, there, you know, you, the personality type tests like Myers Briggs and stuff, they divide people up into these corners that feel a little canny. But mm. the reality is that data driven stuff is only appealing to certain segments of the population. Yeah. And there are other segments of the population who are not only turned off, but are irritated by data. And I'm honestly like trained myself to become the former, I naturally the latter. I think it turns people, it almost makes me think of those times when my mom had a plan for what we were going to do today and I was mad at her for it. Mm. You know yeah. what I mean? So she was too big for her britches. A little. She yeah. was smarter than everybody else. 100%. Which is to say women know that it's the classic thing. You have to be twice, if not three times better, and know your stuff inside and out before you even walk in the door. Well, this is something you we still have, might lose Wisconsin. This That's is something right. that we we talk about. Like black children always hear that you have to be twice as good right. to get half as far. Um, and so, like, I, it makes me wonder, like, how much of Elizabeth Warren's challenges is just fully rooted in misogyny, right? Well, yes. How much of it is like too 100%. much planning? and how much because to me there's not a whole lot of daylight between uh, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders well and Bernie Sanders still can't answer the question well yeah and I mean and Bernie Sanders has not been raked over the coals for heaven's sake I mean he's just now being challenged Ryan I saw your head explode when I said there's not a whole lot of daylight well the thing is Bernie has been a national figure for so long and played the media game well Mm. that it that that it's not as if you can it's not an apples to apples comparison between Warren and Sanders Warren is still an unknown entity to the majority of Americans Bernie is not all right I keep saying that we're going to talk about this we're going to talk about it next why the hell is Tulsi Gabbard still running plus we're going to take a look ahead (laughs) to we're going to take a look ahead uh, to the general election and make some predictions all that's coming up next on election night election night in late night with Jared Hill hey that's me Welcome back to Election Night and Late Night with Jared Hill. I'm Jared Hill, and uh, I am joined by my panel of fantastic folks. Uh, we are we got a few minutes left here, and I want to talk about the one, the only, the Russian asset. <laughs> uh, Tulsi Be Gabbard. careful, she'll serve. I know, right? We'll have to you have to dodge the serving like Hillary Clinton's been doing. Um, why is Tulsi Gabbard still in this race, and why is she even a part of this conversation? No good reason. Because you brought her up. Otherwise, <laughs> I mean, like, there's know. nothing to talk about. All right, well, moving yeah, on. I, um, I just want to say this though about Tulsi. I think I really believe she's desperate to be relevant, mm. and that is why she's done anything she's ever done in her entire life. And I think she's furious that she's not doing better and mad at all of us for even talking about it, let alone celebrating it. Wow. And she had such an opportunity, too, because of her military career. I mean, watching her, you know, go at it, you know, attack Pete Buttigieg, mm-hmm. uh, you know, was very interesting. And, and his response was even better. As a fellow veteran, you might understand, you know, th- he was very gracious, I thought. Also, and like, she did not deserve it. Going after Pete Buttigieg uh, for a person who 
has supposedly maybe not been that LGBT friendly is maybe not a good look for supposedly, her. Supposedly, no. She doesn't care. <laughs> no, 100%. 100%. All right, so we are... Dispensing with her. <laughs> exactly, right. Moving on. Um, I, as we are, you know, coming to the, the final hours of, of Super Tuesday, if you're on the East Coast, Super Tuesday's over. Um I want to know what you guys think as we go ahead. What do you uh, what do you foresee for the convention and for the general? Uh, Rance, I'll let you go first. Well, first of all, I just wanted to quickly say, like, how interesting is it how little money played a, pa- a factor into tonight? Um, Joe Biden had no operation in most of the states he won in, and let he won them. So there is something about narrative and free media and momentum. Mm-hmm. Joe-mentum. As they've been calling it today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I... I think it'll be interesting to say to see where this momentum takes him because he it looks like he might win Maine. He won Massachusetts. He won Mississippi, not Mississippi, Minnesota. He will win Mississippi. Uh, he won Minnesota. He won Oklahoma. He won these states that Sanders won in 2016, which makes it look as if he can maybe take Michigan. Mm. He can take um, some other states that uh, uh, people would thought would be safe Bernie states. So I don't think the map looks nearly as friendly as people might have thought for Bernie looking ahead, which is going to make his entire argument of being the person who can bring out voters look pretty bad when Virginia's having its largest primary vote ever, and it was decisively for him. I gotta say, Bernie, Joe Biden, Biden, Joe Biden must be having the best week of his Ever. life. He has run for president three times. Four times. This, th- four this times? is the fourth time. This is the, well, right, okay. And then he... First time he's ever won a primary. The first time he ever won a primary was on Saturday in now four races. Um, and now he's like having a sweep of, of nights. It seems like this has just got to be a great night for him. But looking ahead to the, the convention and the general, what are you, what are you predicting, Ryan? You know... I, I mean, I've said this before today. I think that Bernie is going to do way, way, way less good. That's my Southernisms for you. Less gooder? Okay. Uh, he's going to do less gooder. Uh, <laughs> and it's. I think there will be a brokered convention unless there's some uh, politi- po- political you know, maneuvering behind the scenes. And I, I just can't wait to watch how Elizabeth Warren maximizes this. Like, there is something in this. There's a secret nut in here for Elizabeth Warren. Probably not being the nominee, but there's something in here for her and she's playing that game hard and I really as someone who just loves watching politics cannot wait to see what that is but I think she better start aligning herself with Joe and less with uh, Bernie then because Joe's doing a lot better than Bernie from this juncture her even being in the race as a progressive effectively aligns her with Joe yeah she's pulled away from Bernie Uh, but she did say some stuff last night that was pretty hard on Joe she basically called him the problem yeah but I don't think Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders come back after that I think you just called me a liar on national television moment no, hundred oh, yeah. percent. I don't yeah. think they. I don't Not think you. they can come back together. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I. I don't know. I think there's going to be a brokered convention, but not in the same way that we are accustomed to it, which is a fight over delegates. I think it's going to be a fight over the soul of the party, and I don't think the Bernie people are going to go out quietly. I mean, I'm kind of worried about that because mm-hmm. Joe can come in with all his decency. Warren can come in with her, whatever she's got in her back pocket. 
But those Bernie bros, I'm telling you. you they know, don't care about the issues. They, they, they It's don't an ego care. of personality. This it's a, a, cult a cult of personality. And they, they resent that we talk about them like that. But the fact is, most of us believe that it's true. And I've they need to deal told. with that fact whether well, they think but, it's true or not. But then there's the whole Russians element of that. And we don't even have time to get into that. So before we go, you I want to let all of Huh? You mean Tulsi when you say Russians, right? Oh, sure. <laughs> I'll take that. Yes, of course. Uh, before we go, I want to let uh, so let you all uh, give people a chance to figure out where to find you. Ryan, Tell people where they can find out more about the work you're doing. You can find me on the media's social at Ryan Basham and Stonewall Democratic Club at Stonewall Dems and Stonewall Dems LA. All right, Karen. LosAngelesBlade.com and at Karen Oakham on Twitter and I'm also on Facebook. Awesome. And then Rance? Um, I'm on Instagram and Twitter as uh, Rance Collins, R-A-N-C-C-O-L-L-I-N-S. And I'm also uh, with Bros for America. You can join us on any of the social medias that the four is the number. All right. Um, that does it for us tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you guys tuned in to our earlier hour or thank you, wanted Jared. to check that out, thank you. Of course. I'm so happy that I was able to spend so much time with you all tonight. Have a great night. Be safe out there and make sure that you continue to stay engaged and vote blue no matter what (laughs) we'll see you next time election night in late night with jared hill